Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Rouse Review. I am your city manager, Dan Hoffman, and with me is Amy Simmons, your communications director. Hello, Amy. Hello, Dan. How are you? I'm very good. All right. Um, We've got a, uh, what is fun for me, uh, a topic that, but really applies to everybody. Uh, we're talking trash today. We're talking trash with Mike Neese. And our, recycling. Oh my. <clears throat> and recycling. Oh my. Uh, trash, recycling. We're talking compost. Uh, so we're, we're, we, we weren't quite sure what to call this particular podcast. Um, you know, talking trash. <laughs> uh, you know, gabbing about garbage. Uh, socializing solid waste. Uh, Keep it going. Yeah, what can't. else you got? I'm out of I'm out of uh, alliterations. So, um, but hey, we're we're gonna get into some stuff that I know a lot of people might think is a is gross, but it's trash necessary. is it's necessary. Trash is a is it a very important topic for all city governments? We spend a lot of money on it. We spend mm-hmm. a lot of time on it. It's important to public health. It's important to the environment. So we're going to spend some time talking trash today with Mike Neese. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. And he, you'll see that uh, his his hair has grown really long and his beard. Did yes. you know that he recycles that as well? That's interesting. Uh, I look forward to seeing that. Um, he composts. <clears throat> he recycles. He composts his hair. He, he doesn't compost it. He recycles it. He sends it off somewhere. They make something out of it. I don't even know if, where to begin asking him <laughs> about that. Because I am made of questions uh, right now, but yeah, he does it every year. Every year, I I wish I had that problem, uh, but <laughs> sadly, I maybe I need to get uh, some of his extra hair um, mm. because he has plenty to spare. You know, whenever you see him walking around town and he's got short hair, mm-hmm. you'll know that he just recently recycled it. He just recently recycled his hair. Yep. Well, if that's an indication of how passionate Mike is about uh, recycling, it's sure to be an interesting conversation. Absolutely. Um, today, we're going to start off uh, talking about the uh, agenda for the council meeting tomorrow. Um, again, it's going to be a pretty light agenda. It was light two weeks ago. It's going to be light again this week. Uh, and that's because a lot of stuff is going into committees. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. So I'm going to do a real quick rundown of what you can expect to hear tomorrow uh, on the during the council meeting. Uh, there is a uh, something that came out of the Planning and Economic Development Committee, uh, some a zoning ordinance uh, on the consent agenda. We've got some uh, resolutions regarding affordable housing. Uh, we do have a resolution uh, approving us to begin disconnecting past due accounts again for water. Now, I know that might generate some questions. We are still, you know, emerging from the pandemic. We're still in it. Uh, But it's an important time for us to start taking this step, mainly because we have so many programs in place uh, that to help people with payment plans, financial assistance, and, you know, we need more people to take advantage of those. And, you know, a cutoff is an incentive to take advantage of those plans. We don't want to cut anybody off, um, and folks have multiple opportunities to um, it, to avoid that. And we want to push folks to take advantage of the different tools that we make available to them. Uh, also, a resolution uh, renaming one of our, our old council chambers after um, Mayor Charles Zuckerman, uh, who recently nice. passed away. And then there's going to be a couple of, couple other things, an ordinance around. 
destruction of buildings, destroyed by fortuitous happenings. Oh, there's that word again. There it is. We talked about that one last time. It's now up for first reading. Uh, and uh, an ordinance about right-of-way permits. Uh, on the work session, very light. All there's going to be is committee reports. So there's not a... What that's going to be is an opportunity for our chairs of committees, and our committees are the Planning and Economic Development, Finance and Audit, Boards and Commissions, and Public Safety. So the chairs of those committees will give a brief report out of what happened in their committee. So in some cases, it might be an item that was just discussed in the, in the regular meeting. Uh, in some cases, it might be something that was just presented as information at the committee level, like the, uh, an update on the ESC, uh, ESCI uh, fire study that was done. We give quarterly updates on that. Uh, there was the chicken ordinance that uh, I'm sure you've read about in the paper if you cracked open the Winchester Star recently. Uh, that basically did not move out of committee. Uh, so the council will hear all of these different reports, and if they choose to bring something out of committee by a vote of the full council, they can still do that. Uh, or they can just listen and hear what the committees have been up to. So that's going to happen. That'll be the main uh, item on the agenda for the work session tomorrow. Uh, so now uh, let's welcome in Mike and start talking trash. Mike Neese is my refuse and recycling manager, but I think that is uh, really an understatement in terms of what he does. He really is the, the heart and soul of all of our, uh, you know, solid waste, trash, garbage, whatever you want to call it. Recycling, uh, recycling, compost. compost. Uh, basically, if you're done with it, he's not done with it. So, uh, mm. and it's something that, you know, I, when I got here, you know, I, I, I know it comes off as a bit wonky, but I hope my ex enthusiasm about this topic really came through in my first meetings with Mike and uh, with Perry, who's also here in the studio, uh, because, you know, this is such an important part of what a city does. Uh, it's important to public health. Uh, it's important to quality of life. And, you know, now it's taken, especially over the last, uh, you know, decade plus, as the, the issues regarding climate change have become come more to the forefront, you know, there's, there's now a more global uh, importance that, you know, how we deal with our waste uh, it's taken on a much more uh, important context. So uh, we got Mike with us today to talk about one of the improvements we're making, um, and some residents have already experienced this. It's the new uh, roll-off containers. Um, and we'll, we'll cover a few other topics as well. But first off, um, welcome, Mike. Thank you. Uh, before we get into trash, tell us, you've been with the city for a while. Tell us a little bit of how long you've been with the city. Uh, 16 years, I believe. 16 years. I, yeah. And he's just not a refuse and recycling manager, you know. Uh, really? No. What else is he? What else is he? He is Michael Recycle. Oh, that's <laughs> right. That's right. There was a, he is actually, he has been animated uh, more so than he is in real life. <laughs> uh, he is, he is literally animated in the Michael Recycle commercial. So when, when uh, if you go to our, where can we find that on the website? It's, a, it's just search for Service League, and he is part of a, a band of superheroes that we have uh, for the, serving the city. Mm -hmm. So when uh, the metropolis is in trouble, when there's too much trash on the street, 
Mike is there to serve, comes to the rescue. So the guy, it's, he's dressed in green. He's got the beard. Yeah, had uh, the costume. It's actually a very it's uh, actually accurate. It's mm-hmm. actually a very accurate rendition. The muscles are actually real too. <laughs> uh, the whole thing. Uh, in fact, if you could be here now, he's actually we- he has a cape. Yep. So I know this is not head to toe. Head to toe. He he actually wears that on a daily basis. Um, but all jokes aside, he does go to elementary schools in his Michael Recycle costume and teaches the kids about recycling. No, this I did not know. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. So. Well, I've you, got pictures to prove it. Okay, okay. I think this them. is. I think we need to put some money in the budget for like un, standard uniforms. <laughs> for <laughs> yes, because we have Michael Recycle, the Snowman, mm-hmm. and Feral Fawcett. Feral Fawcett. Yes. What is that like? Feral cats that drink out of a faucet. What is <laughs> that? <laughs> no, Feral is our water treatment plant operations manager. Oh yeah, Feral. So he's in charge of keeping our water clean. So instead of Farrah Fawcett, his name is Farrell Fawcett. Spelled a little differently. Um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, I'm sure the actual Farrah Fawcett, timely reference, uh, would really probably take issue with it. Yes. Yes, and the snowman, of course, and he's been busy these days. He's clearing the streets. And he has his own jingle, so we'll have to play that one day. And snowman is Justin, right? Yes. Justin Hall. Yes. Yeah, and that doesn't look like Justin, though. No, Justin's lost a lot of weight. I know. Well, yeah. I say this. this I, I was like, why did you guys do this to poor Justin? Like, this doesn't look <laughs> anything like him. Yeah. Uh, no, Justin's uh, fit as a fiddle. He is. Yeah. So the, um, you know, we should. We just talked snow removal just in the last one too. We should have, we should have him come in and talk a little bit about that. He can come in the fall when we talk about leaves. Good call. Yes. Good call. All right. Well, on to recycling. Um, so in some parts of the city, folks have gotten new. Very nice, sturdy roll-off containers. Uh, what what areas of the city got those, Mike? There's four wards in the city, so there's a small section in each ward uh, that got them. We chose those areas so to be equally distributed between the wards, but also to have different road conditions to see how well they do up and on curbs, mm-hmm. uh, places with limited parking, places that don't have curbs. Mm-hmm. And we're not the first jurisdiction to do this so it's new to us but in fact every jurisdiction i've ever worked in actually has had these (laughs) now that i think about it behind the curve maybe a little bit we'll talk more about that in just a moment but you know it's actually a great thing because it allows us to better manage the amount we pick up uh and you know really apply the proper fees and costs to people who generate more trash and those who are very good about generating less waste so, so we've got it in four different parts of the city. About how many cans was it total? A little over a thousand. Okay. And if we were to roll it out citywide, we'd have to add another what? How many? We'd add another seven thousand. Another seven thousand. So a little more than ten percent of the city got these. And we did a survey to, to see what people thought. What did we find out? We found out lots of good stuff. Uh, I separated the data out by uh, the wards Mm -hmm. so that I could see the difference from those curb and street edge settings. I also did it by can size to see we'd have three different sizes out there, Mm -hmm. the 95, 65, and 35, Mm -hmm. just to see which ones performed the best and which ones people were happiest with. Mm -hmm. And I was really surprised to see the medium size, the 65-gallon, was not well-liked. Really? Medium size was Mm -hmm. not well-liked? Yeah, uh, we, I guess we're a little bit on the extreme end. Uh, people that had the 35 gallons were overwhelmingly happy. 
people that had the 95s were overwhelmingly happy. The wow. 65s, not, not as much. Hmm, it's w- yeah, it was probably people that thought they produce a lot less waste than they actually do, like the Hoffman House. <laughs> and, <coughs> you know, I, I, and in, the, in the places where I've lived that have these, we always end up with the largest one, even though we aspire to do better. I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, do you recycle? We do. We'll get into recycling in just a minute and some things that I, <laughs> that I know we're looking forward to doing. But back to the cans. Um, so... We have the, the large ones, the small ones, which probably makes sense because you get some folks, you know, maybe single folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a couple. Know, couples, mm-hmm. folks living alone, retirees that aren't, you know, generating massive amounts of waste because they order stuff off Amazon every other day. Um, yeah, that's where we see most of the 35s going are uh, people that live alone, mm-hmm. uh, typically ones that are only putting out uh, one kitchen trash bag a day or... Mm-hmm. Maybe two, three, or week, sorry, yeah. or two, three of the, uh, like the Walmart grocery bags. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it seems to work well for them because it's, it's slightly bigger than a kitchen trash can, mm-hmm. right? Not, not by much. So it's easier for them to manage as well. And that's important for us too from a cost perspective because uh, our tipping fees, you know, for folks that don't know what a tipping fee is, uh, those tipping fees are going up. Mike, tell some, t- give in a few sentences, tell everybody what a tipping fee is. When we take the trucks to the landfill or even to the recycling centers, when we open the back of that truck and we tip it out, uh, pound for pound, we have to pay for what is in that truck. Gotcha. So folks that generate more trash in the city, they cost the city a little bit more. Uh, So we like it when folks generate less trash. Um, And we also currently uh, give folks and and for the foreseeable future, we'll still continue to give folks an amazing deal on what uh, they pay for their for their solid waste fee. So right now, folks pay five bucks a month uh, for their solid waste. If they were going to pay for that themselves, you know, whether they were out in uh, a rural area or if they just paid a private company to come pick it up, the cost is closer to 30 40 yeah. 40 30 or 40 I pay 30 i think yeah the city actually subsidizes solid waste to over to the tune of over a million dollars a year so um and it has not gone up in five years since we uh, instituted the the solid waste fee so um you know there may be a time when we have to adjust it just because tipping fees go up our prices are our costs are going up uh these cans are not cheap you know, these are nice, sturdy cans. Yes, we chose the commercial-grade cans instead of the retail cans. Mm-hmm. So while you can get something of a similar size and maybe even a similar shape mm-hmm. uh, at any local retailer, it's not made of the same plastic. Yep. It's not nearly as durable, and the way the parts are assembled together make it more rugged and last longer. Yeah, they're really nice cans. I think, uh, did we ask any questions about the... Uh, the quality of the cans, or did, were folks happy generally with that? Uh, we asked about the use and the storage. Mm-hmm. Um, it, were they satisfied being able to mm-hmm. take it to the curb and back uh, to be able to store it until the next week? Mm-hmm. And, and we did see some difficulties there. I don't like to say anything was negative. Uh, it just shows things that we need to improve or things yeah. that we'll need to help people with. Some people have limited mobility. Some people have limited space. Mm-hmm. So we have to take those things into consideration. Yeah. So a lot of the comments were about they just didn't have anywhere to put it. 
and that was what was most concerning to them is if they put it in the garage they didn't have enough space for the car in the garage or if they put it mm. you know beside the house or couldn't get it through their fence if the, they got the larger can it was just the, the how, how do you store it basically yeah the logistics mm-hmm. of it yeah which i mean one of the nice things about having such a a nice you know, slightly bigger high quality can is that you don't have bags laying out for animals to tear into uh you know, on a windy day, like we have very often around here, we see trash blowing around because it blows out of cans. Uh, it, it really does. I mean, there's so many positive aspects to this. And plus, those flimsy cans that you get at Lowe's or Home Depot, you know, they might last a year or two before they finally get beat up to the point that the handle breaks, the wheel breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, those are 25 30 bucks a pop. So even if there was a slightly higher fee, you're, you're basically getting a free can a free high quality can for life because there are cans in essence we replace them so yes. if something breaks if 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 your can your city provided can breaks we come out and we give you a new one so you never have to go buy a, a trash can again an external trash can at least if and you don't want to. even to save more money it depends on the type of breakage if mm-hmm. it's a, a wheel or an axle those can be replaced on site uh, even a lid that can be replaced nice um, if there's permanent damage to the entire body then yeah Mm. the can would need to be replaced yeah and you see oftentimes people spray painting on their trash can like the house number or the name of the person because it's worried they're worried about it getting stolen uh you know no more of that like it doesn't these are you know nicely marked nicely equipped cans so um any other things jump out in the survey tell me what the staff think what are what are our solid waste guys think about it there's a big smile on his face when you ask that. Yes, I, that was one of my favorite parts of the survey. I didn't do theirs in a, a quantifiable survey, mm-hmm. one to five scale. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to see what keywords, what ideas were repeated most uh, between mm-hmm. our 18 staff. And 100% across the board wanted to see it go citywide. That was mm-hmm. their, their number one thing. Uh, there were a few issues with snow mm-hmm. and limited mobility, which, mm-hmm. yeah, no surprise. Yeah. They, they really like them. Uh, it makes their job so much easier. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the reasons why you did it, other than, you know, taking out the confusion <clears throat> of how much trash to put in these carts is to help with injuries and mm-hmm. having to lift, what, 70 pounds a thousand times a day. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, 2019, uh, we were lifting just on trash collection. 6,587 tons in a year. Wow. And With their muscles. Their muscles. <laughs> yes. Well, that's no where Mike hope. gets all his muscles. That's right. That's why he's uh, Michael Recycle. <laughs> and that was a fairly average year for the last 10 years of data. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2020, of course, was a little different, as we all experienced. Mm-hmm. Did we have more trash in 2020? Oh, yes. We were at 7,152 tons. Mm-hmm. People, People are at home, home more. Yep. There you go. So let's talk a little bit about recycling. Now, This is just these are just trash cans, trash roll-off cans. Yes. We're still using... The the bins. The blue bins. Yes. The blue bins for recycling. Little 16 gallons. <clears throat> <clears throat> yes. So I know we've gotten a, we get frequent questions about uh, what we recycle, what we don't recycle. There's a lot of stories out there about what you know happens to it. Does it really get recycled? About you know China doesn't take certain things anymore. Um, let's dispel a, a few myths first off. Um, glass. We do or do not recycle glass? We do not recycle glass. Got it. And, and why is that? 
So for recycling, just in broad terms, mm -hmm. uh, each material stream is treated as a commodity. Mm -hmm. uh, no one recycles for free. It's a business. Mm -hmm. So when commodity prices drop uh, or manufacturing is limited, then the prices and the demand for that commodity drops. Uh, Virginia doesn't have a glass beneficiation location in the entire state. Hmm. Uh, Pennsylvania has one, and North Carolina has one. What is glass beneficiation? When the glass, remember I was said each stream mm -hmm. is a commodity? So glass itself is multiple streams. Uh, it's due to the specification of what it's going to turn into. Uh, typically, it's sorted by color, mm -hmm. uh, blues, greens, browns, but also by type, window glass, cups, bowls, mm -hmm. uh, that sort of thing. So each one of those has to be separated out and meet a certain specification. Mm -hmm. That's why it goes to a beneficiation facility, so that it changes this mass of multicolor or this mass of different streams into each one. Mm. Got it. But, yeah, we don't have one of those. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing is we collect commingled plastic bottles and metal cans. Mm -hmm. So it couldn't even go to a beneficiation facility because it has to just be glass. Mm -hmm. So for us to recycle glass, to collect glass curbside, mm -hmm. we would need to put an additional truck and crew on the road mm -hmm. just to pick up glass, just to drive to either North Carolina or Pennsylvania. Got it. Uh, which not very... And we don't get money back for glass, right? Oh, no, we'd have to pay we'd, for that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So for... You know, sometimes we've got the two bins now, cardboard and then the other one, which is metal and plastic, right? Yes. So that's called dual stream Yes. for folks because obviously dual meaning two. There's two different streams. Technically, we don't even really – it could be divided down into more streams, but we yes. kind of generalize it. Now, some people out there who you know, know a little bit about recycling, they also are familiar with something called single stream. It might seem simpler. It might seem easier. They say, oh, well, it's easier for people just to – throw it all into one can, but it's actually not better. Tell us why. I guess you could say it's better on the service end because mm -hmm. you'll get a larger volume of recyclable materials. You'll also have more contamination and waste in there. And it, it is easier. You don't have to think mm -hmm. about it. You know, you have a trash can, a recycle bin, it goes in one or the other. So I, I can see the benefit on that end. The the downside is the quality of material you're getting out of it is much less. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, the contamination. If one person has put in, say, uh, a mayonnaise bottle or a mustard bottle, then that spreads throughout the entire load of materials. Mm -hmm. And so that's a lot of material being contaminated, even the people that were doing single stream the right way. Mm -hmm. uh, but... And that's also all of these mixed commodities together. So now it has to go to a processing facility. Uh, they're called material reclamation facilities. Resource recovery. There's yeah. a few different names for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we like to call them MRF because yeah, it rhymes with Smurf, so yep. it, it makes me smile. And MRF is an acronym that stands for? Material Reclamation Facility. There you go. Yeah. So it, the single stream materials would go there, and then they're processed out into their individual streams, mm -hmm. excluding things that have been contaminated, uh, if memory serves, uh, food waste being the primary contaminant, and mm -hmm. I believe the second is glass because the glass gets crushed, mm -hmm. in, of course, as it's collected and as it's transported, and those tiny bits of glass will get into the fibers of the paper. Mm -hmm. So now if you're selling to a paper mill, they're going to have to remove all of this paper to be mm -hmm. able to recycle the paper into something new. 
I, I don't think any of us, uh, paper, of course, is a, a downcycling process. Mm -hmm. It doesn't go from uh, white paper, like print paper, mm -hmm. back to white print paper. It downcycles because the fibers get more loose. So it would go to newsprint, to tissues, to toilet tissue, and that sort of thing. <laughs> so from the recycling processing end, you're not going to want to make toilet paper with bits of glass. That sounds <laughs> yeah. undesirable. <laughs> That's um, <clears throat> very shaking his head. I, I, think, I think Charmin probably doesn't want to put that in an ad campaign with some bears. Mm -hmm. Good yeah. job, Mike. That's uh, so. Thank you. Yes. Very yeah. graphic and uh, but appropriate uh, description. Um, so we we do dual stream now. Some places around the world do. Uh, up to eight. Sweden, yes. I think you and I have talked about this a little bit. Sweden does what they call eight fractions, where it's eight different streams. They break, they, they do different colors of glass. Mm -hmm. They do different types of metal, different types of plastic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when I've talked to folks you know, from there about it, like, how do you, eight? I mean, that seems like impossible. They've been doing it for a generation. I mean, to them, it's like second nature. It's, mm -hmm. There's no big education campaign that they're doing. They did it. A, literally a generation ago, kids grew up and that's all they know. So now they have big trucks with roll-off containers that have eight compartments and they throw it into different things, including compost. So talk a little bit about organics. We don't, you know, and, and this is an area where most jurisdictions in the country do little to nothing with their compost, but yes. it's about a third of the total waste stream. So talk about compost. We got a new program I know that's, um, that we're about to kick off because of a grant. Talk a little bit about compost. I love compost, and so cut me off if you I do it go at, too long. You compost at, at home, correct? I do, yes. I also teach uh, composting classes uh, within the city, but also in my volunteer time for the Master Gardeners and some of the other organizations. I, I love composting. Did you see the face light up? Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, do you have a composting toilet? I do not. Okay. Uh, when I first Good. moved into the city, <laughs> I did have a uh, anonymous phone call to Perry uh, <laughs> saying that I was going to switch over my gray water system and all of that. And it would, was so much fun when he called me back. Because he, he, he was very professional, very courteous, and then he realized it was me and said, No. The <laughs> 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 oh, that was fun. He's wow. playing tricks on people. So you mm -hmm. really uh, walk the walk here. Uh, yes. And, you know, it, like I said, it does make up a big part of the waste stream. Yes. And there is a ton of things that can be uh, very beneficial things that can be done with it. Yes. So tell us. So the current method, of course, is it, unless you're composting at home, it's going in your trash and it's going to the landfill. Mm -hmm. uh, you hear a lot of bad things about landfills, but it, it's a shared problem because we're all putting into it. Uh, the big thing you hear is the methane that's generated at the mm -hmm. landfill. It's a greenhouse gas and it's coming from our organics, our mm -hmm. food waste. So luckily our landfill uh, does capture the methane and generate electricity, which is great, yeah. uh, but it's still a waste mm -hmm. to create and put in there. So we want to try and capture some of that and keep it at home instead of for electric use, instead of for generating methane, mm -hmm. to create better soils, mm. uh, to create fertilizers. And I, we live in a city that we don't have a constant influx of trees and animals like a forest cycle that's constantly rejuvenating the mm -hmm. soil. It just constantly degrades and it erodes. So we need to be putting these things back. Uh, 
I think most people would be familiar with it from uh, their lawns. That's the biggest agricultural product in the United States is yeah. grass. And you think of all of the fertilizers and treatments and things people are putting into it that, that could have been compost. Mm-hmm. Now, it's just because of the soil degrading. Anyway, I'm sorry, a bit of a tangent there. No, it's <coughs> that's why we do it. And we got a grant, uh, a small grant that is going to a nonprofit to, called Sustainability Matters, I yes. think is the name of it. Uh, tell us what they're going to do. They're going to help us encourage more backyard composting mm-hmm. and to do it properly. One of the reasons we don't have a composting program is a lot of organics are leftover food waste that draw bugs, they have microscopic life, uh, and they're harder to manage. The DEQ has very strict standards on that sort of material. Yard waste and that sort is easier to handle. People can handle it in their backyard without drawing vermin and microbes and and nastiness if they do it properly. Mm -hmm. And that's what this program is about, is to get people to start doing it properly in their backyards where they have a use for the compost. Mm -hmm. And hopefully with enough people doing this in their backyard and as popularity grows, hopefully it'll become something that could then be done on a larger scale with Mm -hmm. an individual collection. Awesome. It's similar to our leaf collection process. Exactly. We compost mm-hmm. those. And a lot of places uh, collect, you know, that the lawn clippings, leaf stuff, and, and that goes, you know, they, they end up selling it uh, by the, you know, by the bag. Yes. Uh, and call it leaf grow or, or some other type of product. It's, you know, for those types of organics, they're easier yeah, to, yes. to compost into something safe. For a lot of stuff that, you know, I think we all generate in our house, stuff that might have some dairy in it, some meat, the occasional Mm -hmm. bone here and there. Pasta Uh, at my house. Pasta (laughs) at your house. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the kind of thing you got to be, you know, there's a science to it. You just got to, it's not hard, but you got to do it right. Yes. Absolutely. Back to glass real quick before Mm -hmm. we wrap up. So uh, one of the things that folks might, you know, we're in the midst of budget discussions. One of the things that folks, um, you know, like I said, we get asked frequently about is why do I have to throw away my glass bottles? I know every time my wife throws away a bottle of an empty bottle of wine, uh, <clears throat> she just feels horrible yes. about throwing mm-hmm. this glass in the trash. Uh, and so in this year's budget, you know, I will be proposing that we purchase a glass crusher. Um, what that tell- we're very excited about. I know, I know. You just, you just did a little shimmy <laughs> in your dance. chair. Um, so tell me what it, tell me a little bit more about what a, well, tell everybody what a glass crusher is and, and what it does and how it would work uh, if the city were to have one. And, and not just a glass crusher, but a pulverizer. Pulverizer, it's yes. even pa- more powerful. Yes. <laughs> so you can crush a glass bottle on the ground and have broken glass, mm-hmm. but you're going to have limited uses on it because it's mixed specifications and it's sharp and it's broken yeah. glass. A pulverizer pulverizes all the sharp edges off of the glass, mm. and it turns it into an aggregate that can be used uh, to replace some some stone uses, things mm. like gravel, backfill, uh, even concrete, if you mm. like some of that decorative look to <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, it also makes a sand. Uh, mm. Those are the two sizes that come out. The sand, same way, can replace sand in concrete and asphalt. It can be used as backfill. It's also fairly decorative. Uh, I've seen a couple of places that use it as a replacement for mulch. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And you can touch it and not get cut or anything like that. Yeah. And that way, we're not shipping the material to a beneficiation plant 
paying the fee for it to go there. And mm-hmm. then if we want the product, purchasing the stuff we dropped off back from them. Mm-hmm. Instead, we are keeping all of our waste here, so far as glass is concerned, mm-hmm. and then being able to use it here. When was the last time we did a waste stream composition study? Oh my, let's see. I'm going to say a decade ago, if it if it wasn't a little mm-hmm. longer. So we generally, uh, and for those who don't know, that that is basically a quick study to, to determine what types and volumes of those types of trash we generate. Um, what, about what percentage is glass? Glass is a, a very low percentage of uh, by weight. By weight, yes. By volume, it's much larger. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, but if it is a few percent, yeah, that about three, three to five. About three to five percent. And we do how many tons a year? Uh, last year, without glass, we did two hundred and ninety-six tons. Uh, the year before, which had some glass for a few months, was 215 tons more than that. Let's see, 512 tons. So, roughly back of the napkin, glass per ton is what? Uh, 42? 42 that's, tons that's of a, glass a year. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, tons. Uh, if all of that was glass... Uh, which, Which is probably not, so we probably, can probably shave, yeah. shave That would off. be 215 tons in a Two, year. 215 tons of glass in the city that we're paying to go to a landfill. Yes. With a glass crusher, we actually turn it into a product that you know our public services department can use in sidewalks, uh, can use for you know fill and other projects. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of it we can do for you know more creative uses. So I, it there is a you know there is a return on investment for that particular piece of infrastructure. Can we sell it to developers to use as backfill? Make some revenue off of it? Possibly. Yeah. Kind of depends on the product that we put out, right? Mm-hmm. The yeah, there's the a, a few places that use this type of equipment that do sell it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fairfax has a similar piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, they're higher volume, so it's a much larger yeah. pulverizer. Uh, Arlington just started one. And yep. It was... Uh, if I remember correctly, $12 a ton to tip the glass there, and then $10 a ton if you wanted to purchase it back for use. Hmm. Interesting. So for this crusher, would we have to, would we be able to pick it up, the glass from residents, or do they have to drop it off at some kind of center? So that's where we get yeah. into budget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, the, in the near term, it's going to be a, a drop-off drop situation. Yes, because it would still have to be separate from the other materials. Right. Yeah. But maybe one day in one the day. future, when we do roll off containers for recycling, uh, we'll also be able to at the same time start collecting glass. But in the near term, we're going to be asking folks, I think, to to come drop it off over at uh, a very easy to, and we're a small city, so it's not like you're driving 30 minutes out of your way. Um, we'll be asking folks to come drop it off here with us. And maybe the county folks will want to participate as well. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. All right. Uh, well, Mike, thank you very much. Uh, it's, this has been, I could keep going for, and I know you could too, for quite a while. Uh, we will definitely have you back to talk trash uh, more in the future. Um, and before we wrap up, anything uh, folks need to know about the, the pilot or if, to find more information on the website, right. Amy? Yeah. On the website, it's winchesterva.gov, of course, slash pilot. 
take you straight to it. There you go. And uh, what are the next steps? Can I ask that real fast before mm-hmm, you leave? Of course. What, what happens next? Well, now that we have data and we have the pilot, the next steps are to present it to council and see at what rate they're willing to fund it. Yeah. It's about $390,000 to spread this out because those cans are not cheap. Uh, so about for about $390,000, uh, we'll make this uh, citywide. Uh, and then, of course, the step after that, it would be to get an automated truck that, that'll save us um, not just a lot of time, because there's a lot of manpower that goes into picking up these cans, um, but also it reduces our, our workers' comp uh, situations. There's a lot of repetitive stress injuries that come from, uh, that our solid waste workers have to endure. And that, you know, in turn costs us productivity, costs us money. So uh, hopefully in the near future, we'll just continue to improve a system that, you know, clearly you know, if Mike is any indication, has a lot of really, you know, talented, dedicated, passionate folks uh, working for it. Now we just got to give them the tools to improve it. The automation also allows us to expand as the city grows mm-hmm. because we've been collecting uh, higher volumes from more households uh, for as long as the city's been around with the same number of people. Yeah. So it, it's and trucks, too. Do you have new truck. trucks recently? Same trucks over and over again. Same trucks over and over again. Quite a while. We put a little bit of new equipment on them to uh, for the pilot assist. The the lift assist bars. Yes. Uh, But we don't have a fully automated new truck yet. Hopefully in the near future. One day. One day we will. Um, Well, Mike, thank you very much. Thank you for coming in. Uh, we will be back uh, with you, I'm sure, probably sometime in the near future, probably after budget, um, if. Uh, if, if approved, we will, you know, be expanding the program. So, uh, we'll bring you back shortly thereafter to talk a little bit more. Great. And then first week of May is composting week. So you'll probably be hearing from me and sustainability matters then as well. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thank you very much, Mike. So that was Mike. That was Mike. Long hair and all. Long hair and all. I didn't ask him about the hair thing. Next time. I felt a little awkward. (laughs) We'll ask him next time. Yeah, because that, that's interesting. That is very interesting. I think at one point he had it made into something that would help clean up the oil spill that was down. In, what? How yeah. much hair does this guy generate? Well, of course he didn't do all of it. He, <laughs> he was contributing to that effort. He's cleaning up oil spills with his extra hair. No. He doesn't seem like that hairy of a guy. But. <laughs> no, but it was just going to that kind of effort. Going to you that know, effort. Back when we had that big oil spill down in the Gulf of Mexico a long time ago, I think. Mike Neese and Dove Soap, cleaning up yes. oil-soaked birds. Yes. Guy, you know. He is a superhero. He is a superhero. All. He is amazing. Um, and clearly cares about, uh, you know, what he does. And yes, that's, very much. you know, again, I can't praise our, our city workers enough. We've got a lot of folks like Mike that just really care about the, yes. the subject. They care about the... The work they do, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's our police chief, whether it's our recycling manager, uh, or our CFO, they really uh, are subject matter experts. So uh, he is an awesome guy. Yes. And we talked a little bit about budget. So before we get into some announcements, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about where we are in the budget process and give a very brief budget 101. So right now we're in the process of developing a draft budget to start talking to council about. Which we started in October. Yes, we started back in October. So I put the call out and give some direction to my department heads. They start looking at what they did last year, what they spent, what they need. 
they present then draft budgets to the uh, it's the finance department. So our, our CFO Mary Blow and uh, and her teammate Celeste Broadstreet, they then compile all of it. And they bring it to me. I meet with the department heads and I begin to construct what our draft budget looks like. At the same time, we're starting to get revenue estimates. How much money am I going to have to work with? Uh, How is that looking? So you know what, our appraisals came in higher, which is good. The the pandemic has not hurt our residential real estate market uh, very much. So the, it, it looks very solid. Uh, commercial is soft. Um, in, in Virginia, you can either uh, do nothing and adopt what is the revenue neutral rate. So if appraisals increase, property tax naturally goes up, right? So you have an asset, it's worth more now, it's going to get taxed more. Uh, so that increase, if we were to stay at 93 cents, which is our current tax rate, um, I would have increased amount of money to work with, which is great because naturally every year our costs go up. Some of it's just natural inflation, some of it is are contractual increases. If we were to go to 89 cents, which is the revenue neutral rate, in essence, I get no more money. In fact, this year, if I were to, if the council were to adopt the revenue neutral rate, uh, we'd get an extra $233,000. <laughs> that, and I know that might sound like a lot to folks, but just the increase in our retirement contribution is 237,000. So we couldn't even cover the minimum uh, Virginia re retirement system increase. Uh, the new Shahada Center over that's about to go online behind Handley. Behind mm -hmm. Handley. Just the operating and maintenance uh, of that building's uh, 200 and about a quarter million dollars. So 233 is kind of off the table as an amount. You know, there's no way we're going to build a brand new building uh, over behind Handley and then just not use it. Right. So uh, I will be proposing that we stay at the current tax rate. We're not increasing the tax rate. We're keeping it, holding it steady. And that gives us just enough because of the increase in appraisals. That's going to give us just enough to do some some bare minimum things. We're going to be focused a lot on public safety, um, doing some things to that have a return on investment, like investments in our solid waste system, and uh, a few other uh, what I feel are critical foundational elements, uh, minor cost of small cost of living increases for our employees, uh, and some strategic additional positions, particularly over in social services and with our fire department. So uh, we'll be, we're in the midst of developing that budget and I'll start going to different committees with it. We had our first initial discussion uh, with the finance and audit committee last week. So there's going to be a report out tomorrow uh, about that discussion. Uh, we have another finance and audit committee on the 16th of March. We have a public safety committee that will look at all the different public safety budgets on the 17th. Those, those committee meetings will keep going really into April. And it's in April when I start finalizing my proposed budget. I'll bring it to the city council. We'll do a bigger formal presentation. Then there will be several more opportunities for the public to engage, to provide feedback, counselors to ask questions you have that opportunity at the committee level too. Right. Our committees are, are meeting in person again. So finance committees meeting in council chambers, public safety committees meeting in council chambers. Uh, all of those committees are meeting in person again. So if the public wants to participate, come speak. There are public 
um, there are public comment opportunities at committee meetings as well. So there are easily, you know, almost a, probably a dozen different opportunities for the public to speak about the budget, about the tax rate, whatever you have, whatever you have in your mind. So and we if, encourage people to participate. Yeah, and if they don't want to participate, but they just want to hear the discussions, they can watch those online mm-hmm. through our agenda portal. Absolutely. And just winchesterva.gov yep. if you want to watch. And you can email in your comments. Uh, they'll be added to the record. So uh, in what we will do pretty soon is we will post, we have to advertise our tax rate to be transparent. So we will, we pay for ads, we post it online, what we intend to set the not to exceed tax rate at. So if the council accepts uh, my, uh, my proposal of 93 cents, pretty soon we have to post, publish that. And it's a not to exceed rate. The council could go lower uh, if they felt they could, if they felt there was additional things or investments we they didn't want to make at this point. Um, but we, we will publish that not to exceed rate before the budget's actually even approved. Right. Gives me a sense of, it, it at least lets me know what I have to work with. Um, and it's not until really, really into May, you know, the, the, the deliberations and discussions go through April, they'll continue. We'll eventually finalize everything in May. There's a, a date in May that I don't, can't remember off the top of my head, but um, in May they approve it and it goes into effect July 1, which right. is our fiscal year. Right. So um, that's a little bit of Budget 101. We encourage people to participate and uh, provide us your feedback on it. Now, before we wrap up, Amy, you have some updates. Yes, I have just a few. Uh, Winchester Parks and Recreation, I seem to always start with them. They've got a lot of stuff going on. They've announced several Easter programs and the registration's going on now. We have the cookie decorating class for ages 14 and up, and that's on Tuesday, March 23rd. Registration is due March 16th. Easter Bunny activities. It's a playoff activities. Activities. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, thank you. Will be available for pickup this year. Uh, Instead of, usually they bring all the kids into the social hall and they have Mm. huge tables set up and a million different crafts. I'm exaggerating, of course, but every Mm -hmm. table has a different craft. So it's not actually a million. It's not actually a million this time. No. Slightly less. Maybe one day. Yeah. Maybe one day. So this time, instead of bringing everybody in where they can touch everything and, you know, use all the same scissors and all that fun stuff, (laughs) they're going to um, provide it as a pickup activities. So... Uh, they'll have a bag full of crafts that kids ages one and up can pick up. Actually, the kids can't pick it up. The parents need to come pick it up for them. Hmm. Um, and so it's just like a drive through mm-hmm. pick up your bag, order it in advance. You have to register by March 22nd. Hmm. So uh, let's see. Along the same lines, uh, Park is also offering two make and go Easter craft programs for kids uh, ages 7 to 10. You can make a 12-inch Easter basket, and you register for that by March 10th. And then for teens and adults age 16 and up, there's a six-inch paper mache Easter egg you can make, and that's hmm. kind of in the Fabergé type of style. So register. We're very specific about the sizes of these uh, sizes. I know, and that twelve-inch basket. It's a six-inch egg. You know, that's what we had the budget for. I included we, that because it must be important. It must be important. Do not expect a thirteen or fourteen-inch <laughs> basket. Twelve it's, and a it's half. It's twelve and a half inches exactly. No, just twelve. That's twelve and a half. Twelve. Sorry. Just twelve. Twelve-inch. That's the government standard issued <laughs> Easter basket. Um, 
That's hilarious. Okay. So register by March 11th for that Fabergé mm-hmm. egg craft. Yes. So in addition to all the drop-in athletic programs, private music lessons, indoor swimming, the rec center is really hopping this month. Oh, hopping. Sounds... It's Easter, right? It's Easter. It's Absolutely. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> okay, a little delayed. <clears throat> a, little slow, a little delayed on the uptake there. Yep. They're hopping. It's a, all thi- right. it's a thinking man's joke. So okay, I, I, moving on. Uh, Valley Health has release dates for their upcoming COVID-19 vaccination clinics, and those are... Um, March 9th, 10th, and 11th. Mm-hmm. So those are only for people that qualify under the 1A, 1B groups, and they will open registration one to two days approximately in advance of the clinics at noon. So you got to be on the website mm-hmm. already, ready to push that button and refreshing often because the app, the appointments go within minutes, if not mm-hmm. seconds. Yeah. If so, it's your turn, go get your shot. Yes. And that link is valleyhealthlink.com forward slash C19 vaccinations. And that'll take you directly to where you can register for those March clinics. And last but not least, uh, the detours and road closures will continue on Paper Mill Road between Roosevelt and Tevis through at least end of April. But that that project, the Hope Drive Extension Project, is going to be going on through next summer, summer of 2022. So uh, this is just a one of those preliminary closures but they'll have access going still for businesses in that area and residents so that's all i got awesome well thanks everybody for listening if you've made it through to the end with us i appreciate it we'll see you again in a couple of weeks as we look forward to what's happening with the council and we'll probably talk a little bit more about uh budget some of the upcoming meetings that ways for you to participate. Uh, And in the meantime, I will see you around City Hall.